Hello and welcome to episode 137 of the Book Wars Pod. Pow, pow, pow. This is absolutely our first time recording this intro. Um, there's, Ever. There's 0% chance that Kristen forgot to hit record the first time. That definitely didn't happen. And that none of us noticed until a burb 20 minutes in. Yeah. We, listen, it was, we made it. We're the look on Kate's now. face right now, y'all. <laughs> The good uh, news is under control. Situation normal. <laughs> the good news is we would have talked about our drinks for twenty minutes. Not. Yeah, it was it was only so. because we were talking about our drinks for a very long time that I this would be noticed. a much more efficient abbreviated <laughs> intro. No, I know. So you're Hon- welcome. Yeah, honestly, we could we could jump right in without missing anything, but we're we're <laughs> well, but not, it's not? us, so we're still not gonna. Um, we are going to read more of Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston. Uh, we're reading chapter 12 through to the end, the second half of the book. But before we talk about the uh, taxation of outlying trade routes uh, and gay shit, Rana, what are you drinking? I am drinking a cocktail recipe from Smitten Kitchen. I'm not drinking the recipe itself, but it uh, it's like That's enacted. really impressive. Did you have to print um, it out first? Mm, yeah, imagine. I just digested the paper. It's actually, uh, I can't think of words right now, but pretend that was a really funny joke. Um, anyways, you just dissolved the paper in Everclear. I was oh thinking of those God. like super fancy uh, like restaurants where they yeah. give you the like broken down version of the molecules. It's like just mm-hmm. steam. That's what I was imagining. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I'm not being funny, despite Miranda's very realistic laugh. So I am drinking a drink that they call a kachumber. Uh, and I don't know where that comes from other than the umber comes from cucumber because um, this has muddled. Look at Miranda's like, can we stop recording? They, um, they, they put the umber in cucumber. Right. Oh, remember those great videos a couple years ago? Cucumba? Anyways, um, maybe not. Maybe that's just no. but, Okay, well, it was, this, uh, it was this guy in Jamaica who um, ran a Rastafari nutrition course and he or like center and he would sing songs about like the nutritional value of different fruits and it was really catchy and wonderful um and anyways that's what i'm referencing that's so, amazing do you remember the nutritional value of a cucumber i remember it had silica oh i mostly remember that uh in his jamaican patois accent he called it a cucumba and it sounded really cool and that's what i'm thinking of here Sorry, it's taken me 17 minutes now to introduce my drink, which is not worth quite that level of suspense. Um, But it is muddled cucumbers and jalapenos and some lime and local gin, so Breckenridge gin. Um, And it's delicious. Also, the ice cube thing in it was a little Death Star made of ice that I got for Christmas years ago. It's not as accurate as the box, but it's really fun. I love those. It's cute. Yes. And I was telling people before that I have a... On our first recording, I explained my friend is here on a road trip now that we're all vaccinated and she's driving around the country. So I have an excuse to make fun cocktails, which I don't usually get to do. Again, your excuse could be a day that ends in Y. Yeah. So when we recorded previously, nothing recorded. I mentioned that I try not to drink on weekdays too often. And Miranda gave the most perplexed face. She's almost doing it again, but it's a little contrived. Anyways, Miranda, what are you drinking? It's a pandemic, man. I'm drinking a fucking whiskey sour because it's a goddamn Monday. (laughs) And everyone takes a drink except for me when I said that. Pod listeners, I need you to know that. Pod listeners should also take a drink unless you are driving. Accurate. Yeah, also, I think we already learned that lesson. Don't drive while listening to this podcast. Oh, right. (laughs) You're going to (laughs) run off the road. Sorry. Public health crisis. Occasionally, we'll be funny and then it'll be a problem for you. Mostly it's the shit posting though. It's true. It's true. Kristen, speaking of shit posting, where are you drinking? Him and shit post, Kristen. Um, I opened both of my beers at the same time, even before I forgot to record, <laughs> um, because I didn't know which one I wanted because they're both kind of malty, even though one's an IPA. I'm drinking the No Bad Days IPA from Barrel Mountain Brewing in Battleground, Washington, and the Noble Pilsner Seasonal Lager. 
that has different hops in it that I don't know because they're in a Pilsner. And Rana, I just looked up what you were drinking because I was curious. Um, and it's apparently a kind of traditional cocktail from India, which I did not Oh, I know didn't know that. Jack cool. shit about, but it it's it's exciting. Thank apparently you for that information. A, apparently it's a thing, but I can't really find. It's just when I Google it, it's just giving me lots of different recipes. I wish <laughs> I could give you more of a background. There, but there's not it's a Wikipedia like, page. Yeah. But it sounds like it's from India, which is a big place, but uh, it, uh, it sounds delicious, though. <laughs> famously a big welcome welcome to the book horse pod where you learn such facts as there are there's a landmass called india and it is large okay i'm going on silent now (laughs) amazing um i just want to take a moment for rana's like garnish game you've got like a cucumber slice and a jalapeno slice on your glass like even if I make cocktails, which doesn't happen very often, even if I have people over, I'm just like, yeah, just find something. Even if I make cocktails, I'm like, all right, here it is. You wanted it neat, right? Because that's how you're getting it. <laughs> this may be a surprise to everyone, but I am a very extra person. So, like, when I did my little, like, blood orange sangria a couple weeks ago, I, like, lined the rim with, like, pink salt on one part. And then, not too much, just a little bit. And then, like, squeezed blood orange into sugar so it would, like, rim it. And then I put the thing on. Yeah, like, I'm extra. It, it's just That's delightful, though. Like, that, that just sounds very If you're going to do it, do it all the way, yeah. you know? But also don't if you don't want to. Live your best life. Garnish or not, but thank do, you. I appreciate your do, yeah. uh, your appreciation. Do what's in your heart, like even if a, it's just slices of cucumber. Yeah, we did um like a, a virtual mixology class as like a bonding activity for some of the babies at work, and you know it's like oh you can do a garnish like if you do this with your lime and you can do... and I was just like I already made the drink while you were explaining it to us because it's a, like I think that that one was like a bourbon ginger. But the other one was a whiskey sour, which I obviously make a lot. So I was just ready and like, no garnish needed. You had already had the whole thing. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but I put maraschino cherries in mine today. So that's... it looks like a sunrise. It does. It does. It kind of, it look, kind of looks like a like funny looking tequila sunrise a little bit. Like a a really weird. Yeah. Poorly done tequila sunrise. Like, like somebody forgot. Derived somebody forgot like the sunrise. top layer of I c- for the life of me cannot remember what that last ingredient that goes into tequila grenadine? sunrise is. It's grenadine. Grenadine. Thank you. Yes. Well, somebody forgot the that, grenadine. But that's how you get this color at the bottom. That's the grenadine. It's not. Yeah. It's the maraschino cherries. But it just looks like a well tequila sunrise. With a touch of uh, grenadine and a whole lot of regret. This is just reminding me of, uh, I went to, the first time I ever went to Vegas, and this was probably 10 years ago now. Um, and it was literally 10 years, it was um, 2012. Yeah. That's nine years ago? Nine years ago. Um, Math wars. And I, and I went with some friends from high school, and one of my friends was like very like, we, and we were in college, and so like one of my friends was like very into like drinking tequila. Like he was in that like college phase where he's like, "Oh, tequila is an upper, not a downer, so it doesn't get you as drunk." And I'm like, "You're a fucking idiot," but whatever. Um, and so he would like go to like the fucking casino bars at like one o'clock in the morning and like try to order like a tequila and orange juice, and the bartenders would look at him and be like, "Do you think we fucking have orange juice right now? <laughs> Come on!" It was very funny. Oh my god, I love well, that. Know, the orange juice that comes out of the gun at the bar is the most cursed <laughs> liquid. Makes sunny when you delight mentioned look a gun and a bar, I got really confused for a second, and then like I realized the, what you meant. No, like the, the one with the little buttons on it? Yeah, no, no, I figured it out eventually. But at first, I thought you meant, like, instead of thinking America, like, mass shooting guns, yeah. which should be my first thought... I thought of like those people in movies. I've never seen one in real life where they shoot the tequila out of a water gun. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like, do they do that with orange juice? In it's like, do they, like, do, do they do that at casinos? I think you got to like, pay damn. extra for that. Fucking I've been Mormon going to tribal party. casinos. Should have been at Vegas. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, nice. To me. I love Anyways, it. Chris, what are you drinking? <laughs> I'm drinking scotch. I'm drinking uh, Glenfiddich 12 year single malt scotch. It is a very like nice and smooth, a uh, little bit fruity, very like sweet honey 
uh, overtones in it, kind of very typical of a Speyside uh, scotch. Uh, and uh, so it's aged 12 years in Oloroso sherry and bourbon barrels and then mellowed in oak marrying tons. So it's quite good. Good. We love a little Glenfiddich 12. We sure do. We sure do. Shout out to uh, shout out to my friend Anurag who got it for me as a gift. We love that. Thanks, friend. I I'm aware (laughs) of that. (laughs) Okay, how we miss you. (laughs) Good for your friend. God damn, this is a nightmare. (laughs) Right. Tell Cake I'll bring condolence. Or Cake. (laughs) Just say Kate. Tell Kate I'll bring condolence. Cake. Not. Yeah, you get it. I will. I will. I'm. She. She doesn't know yet, but we're both very excited. (laughs) <laughs> um all right let's get it going before we jump in uh as we mentioned last week uh the organization that we are promoting while we read queen's peril is the loveland foundation uh at the lovelandfoundation.org uh this one was selected by kate and the loveland therapy fund provides financial assistance to black women and girls seeking therapy nationally and partnering with various local organizations to to help do that so it's a really wonderful cause and if you have the funds you should give so, as today is Lesbian Visibility Day, Yeet. let's talk about some handmaidens. You know, in Queen Shadow, we got like a little hint, like, is there something going on here between the handmaidens? And it's like, oh, like we love a little soft gay shit. And then the entire back half of this book was just a great old gay time. Like, they were dancing, they were finally, like, sharing a bed, and I hope they were, like, cuddling or some cute shit. Then they had to sleep on the same cot in the prisoner camp, which is less yay and more yikes, but... (laughs) I have a bad feeling about this. um, I don't don't know if I'm going to get over... Like, this might now be my favorite Star Wars book. And it is in no small part because E.K. Johnson was like, you know what? Queer girls for everybody. Like this, it's one of those things that like, I mean, one, obviously I'm biased here. Um, If you guys didn't know somehow, um, all y'all out there, I'm super gay. And we love to see. I know. I was surprised too, man. Um, but like, it's, it's one of those things that it's, especially in like the, the kind of written canon, it's, it's a really easy thing to explore and like casually slot in. And we do see that a lot. Um, like things get casually mentioned, but here it's kind of at the forefront and it's a big thing that affects the relationships among the handmaidens and with Padme in this section in particular, and it's just like one of those things that's just, I mean, it's still casually done, but it's just like very normalized. And can you imagine being like 12 years old and reading this book? Like, I would have read this shit. It's like, oh, girls <laughs> together. What? It's a concept. I can't adequately describe what just happened on the video, so I'm not going to try. I, I, like I realized what I was for me to do. So I realized what I was doing halfway through, and I <laughs> did not like myself for it. Oh, was that not intentional? <laughs> no, okay, it was not. That honestly, makes it better. It was not. I was trying to just indicate that they were together. Yeah, that wasn't my what, that wasn't that what that brought the to mind. I received, <laughs> and then I realized how that might look. And I was like, well. We like to destroy the patriarchy and heteronormativity and, you know, nobody knowing that lesbians exist. So um, I changed that up. But, God, it's so gay. It's wonderful. It really is. Good job. <laughs> That's for you, E.K. Johnston. <laughs> and so, like, obviously there's two kind of i mean there's a lot of queer subtext like throughout the book with various characters but like there's two major like relationships that are delved into and one is i'm gonna 
jump to the bottom of the section on the outline just to confuse people is Yane and Sache, which is just extremely soft and gay. It's it's so good. Like, you know, especially if, you know, I mean, I, I mentioned like, well, could you imagine having this book if you were 12? Sasha literally is 12 years old. And like this, she's exploring and learning about feelings for the first time. And she's not comfortable with it because feelings are the worst. But she's just like, ooh, Yane. And Yane's like, ooh, Sasha. And they're so soft. They just want to be friends and like. You know, cute and shit. I love that she has one line where she says, like, instead of breaking down what she's feeling, she just says, whatever it is I'm feeling. And I just thought that was so accurate for, like, being a teenager and being confused and not knowing how to name anything. Like, I just loved that. Even though it was just one sentence, I thought it was a great description. Mm-hmm. I mean, for some of us, maybe had those feelings as adults, as a very whatever it is I'm feeling, because nobody fucking tells you. <laughs> it's... I- very relatable. One thing I love about their relationship is there's no, like... I mean, there's a little bit of angst, but not really. Like, it's, like... you Like, a lot of times in, like, YA and also, like, in adult books, like, it's just, like, an entire, like, book of, like, angst and will they, won't they, and just, like, depression. And this one, it's, like, you know, there's, like, there's the background of Sache doesn't want to be alone with Yane because she is a confused 12-year-old. But, like, for the most part, they're just, like, they're lovely. And they're figuring each other and themselves out. And, like, Yane's like, I am slightly older than you. So I understand what you are going through. And I'm going to just let you work it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's not angsty. It's, like, there is a bit of light tension. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, you got two friends who are into each other, you know? Like, and everyone knows that's going on. And, like, you can kind of feel it. But it's... That's the extent of it. Like, they're just living their lives, being soft. I think in a lot of YA, it's, like, when there's a romance, it ends up totally derailing the characters, and they make bad choices. But in this, once they leaned into their feelings, they were more supportive of one another. They were there when they're in the camp, and they have to spread this message. Like, they had that sort of um, strength through one another. And I was like, oh, what a refreshing change for, like, a YA mildly romantic subplot like i just thought it was nice that it was you know supportive and didn't turn into like what's she gonna think as a being tortured like yeah i don't know why i did that voice it was very serious but i don't know if i'd be thinking anything if i were being tortured. i don't think i mean she was thinking things we did get that she was like my friends before fucking these bitches because the droids were the bitches Yeah. yeah yeah No, I, I'm i totally with you, Rana. I love that we don't have the kind of trope of, like, these people are in a relationship, and now that is a weakness for them. Like, now, like, they can't... Yeah, that's a better way of saying it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, I, 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 I had that thought because of what you said. So, like, that's, that's, you get credit for it. Um, <laughs> I'll take all the credit. Um, we love to drag side. Harry Potter on this podcast without actually saying that we're dragging Harry Potter on this podcast. <laughs> Like, I wasn't even thinking of that, but that too. It's funny because I like you know, horrible person associated with it aside. I still enjoy Harry Potter for what it is, but yeah, like it's as you grow older and look back at those books, they are very tropey. They do like play into a lot of this very patriarchal, heteronormative bullshit that we are like talking about, and this book really is like very anti Harry Potter in its. Uh, relationships between the main characters. You mean they're healthy? Yeah. That's, <laughs> they don't that's... just yell at each other and be mad? <laughs> not just... Which, like, to be fair, is the mood, but also, like, not for six books, please. Seven, however many. <laughs> As someone who is very Team Ron and Hermione, they don't need to spend seven years hating each other. It's yes. overkill. Yeah. Um. Anyway... Uh, let's jump to the other relationship, which is, I would say, more confusing to the people involved. And that is between Padme and Sabe, which is not necessarily a romantic relationship, but when Harley... Is it, though? Well, that's... Let's... let's, (laughs) Hashtag let's talk about it, Miranda. 
So yeah, I've got some weird vibes there too. There, there's definitely some weird vibes there. You know, we left off in in the last section and on last week's episode. Um, you know, Sabe was like flirting with the girl from one of the other planets at the dinner, and like clearly they're getting close in this. They they sneak out to the concert, which is just Side like. Note. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was fine. like, wait, what book am I reading right now? <laughs> it was fucking great. Um, <laughs> but then, <clears throat> you know, after, after they do that and, like, you know, the cover got blown, they had to go back to, um, pal- is it a palace? It is a palace, yes. It's they the have palace. to go back to the palace. Um, so, like, Sabe didn't get to kiss Harley or whatever her name is. Yes, that is her name. I think it's Harley. But then, classic switcheroo fuck up, you know. Harley sees uh, someone about the same height and weight and hair color and demeanor because they've all been fucking practicing to be one person. And she's like, oh, I had a good time last night. Like, you know, like turning on the charm, like, let's kiss. And then Padme's like, Nope. (laughs) fucks right off but then like after that and i think it's more like later on in the section when they're on the royal cruiser like we get more insight into how sabe sees things and it's very it it, i think it's intended to her to be like it's my queen but i'm also like babe no there's some gay shit happening here. Yeah, so on like a sort of related and unrelated note at the same time, I didn't think that Padme's like rejection was that bad. She just said, oh no, I have to go now. <laughs> like, that's really pretty light in terms of rejection. And, and then they're like, oh, you were so rude. I'm like, well, I, I guess mean, they are teenagers <clears throat> and everything is dramatic. But also like, I mean, if I someone know, I like a pretty kind rejection. If you told somebody you wanted to kiss them and they said, oh, no, I gotta go. Like, <laughs> I mean, then they didn't want to kiss you. Oh, well. I mean, would it have been better if Padme had kissed her? Like, the jig would have been up there. <laughs> well, she did ask that in, like, a really weird way. So I kept thinking, like, okay, Padme's mad because of, like, you know when you're a teenager and you feel like you need your friends to want to be friends with you and you need constant... Maybe yep. this is just me as a sad you... teenager, but oh, like, no, I I'm need with you. constant affirmation that my friends were my friends and anything else and i would be like that's fine but on the inside it'd be like they hate me yeah, and like, so i kind of sorry what your best friend can't have other friends exactly they can't like, have they another can, best friend they can but they need to tell you everything about it <laughs> yeah. and so i felt obviously now i know i feel this way thank god for adulthood a science whatever but um but i at first was getting that vibe and then when she like very awkwardly is like well should i have kissed her i was like whoa whoa okay i feel like there's some there's a lot of confused different feelings going on right now that was a weird threat for you to make but okay (laughs) i mean like the answer yes for a lot of reasons one you could have kissed her two that means that sabe would have eventually gotten to kiss her but if she didn't want to kiss her, she didn't kiss well, her. Well, no, then you don't kiss her. But, like, you know, I think that's all, like, do I keep up the charade or do I just yeah. bounce and keep it's up true. the charade? It, like, make this lovely girl hate my best friend slash person who is definitely a little into me based on the way that she narrates her section. I'm sorry. Is this woman named Harley? Yes. It's like H-A-R-L-I. Yeah. Wow, she I didn't, just somehow I didn't really did that, that didn't she? Well, that's so gay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Just... It's not subtle. <laughs> but, uh, like, you... Sorry. The, no, no, the no, whole kind of internal monologue for Sabe. Or actually, I think she's, like, saying... Or, yeah, she's realizing, like, what it, what is the quote? I'd rather be second to you than first to anyone else. Yeah, girl, please be first to yourself. It's okay. It's One, okay. Yeah, like, no. Two, she's going to go on to marry a disaster human. Fuck bitches, get money when it's legally appropriate to do all of those things and morally appropriate and, like, make your own choices. Make informed choices, but, like, go live your fucking life. Yeah, it's... 
it's interesting. So like I I am like very soft and like emotionally stupid and like whenever I read a book, I need it like if it's not like explicitly like they want to fuck each other. I'm like, oh, they're such good friends. Like, I'm very stupid like that. Oh, I'm the opposite. Oh, I that think is... everyone wants to do each other all the time in every <laughs> book and show. Not that... in real life somehow, but just that... in media. No, Chris, I'm literally just like you, unless. <laughs> unless <gay>. it's this. <laughs> yeah, literally, unless it's like two queer women, female femme characters. Don't give a shit about gay men, although I did. I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and, like, there's a lovely low-key gay shit in there, and I'm like, I love this for you. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, like, so, like, when I was reading it, I'm very much, like, they're, like, figuring out, like, what their, like, relationship is, what their relationship is. And also, like, I'm very much of the, like, opinion that, like, friendships can be, like, much deeper than, like, romantic relationships, possibly. Like, and so, like, that's how I view their relationship, but I also, like, I... There's definitely vibes in this book. And, like, it is interesting to see, like, because we know, obviously, in the movie, we don't see kind of anything from Sabe's perspective. And in Queen Shadow, we see that kind of where their relationship has ended up, where they're, like, comfortable being apart, but, like, are just, like, still, like completely confident and self-assured that their relationship is like strong and they understand each other. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's just interesting to see like the formation of that. And the, I think for me, the really interesting conversation between them was the one like before the battle of Naboo, where like Padme was acknowledging the, um, how do I phrase this? The like asymmetrical aspect of their relationship. Mm-hmm. That was the same, the same conversation. Yeah. yeah. It was a long oh yeah, 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 it was. Sorry. Yes, you're right. Um, but yeah, like that one was like very much like acknowledging the elephant in the, in the room of I can order you to die right now. And I am would not and am not allowed to do the same for you. And so it's like very it's it's like a bit of a fraught dynamic for like, you know, two two women who weren't like as, you know, emotionally self-assured in their relationship, I want to say, as they are. Yeah, and I mean, part of it, too, like, one, I get, these are literal children. Mm-hmm. Padme is still 14. I don't remember how old Sabe is, but she's 16 at most. I believe she's also 14. Okay. And, like, they, there's a lot bearing down on them, but also, like, it's one of those things that complicates the relationship. Because, like they are really good friends and i like if they were to interact outside of like i'm your handmaiden slash bodyguard now i think they could develop a really good relationship um you know given like the right circumstances and all of that there's some kind of queer undertones that don't get fully explored um but like you said it's asymmetrical it's there there's a power dynamic there like, Padme is the fucking queen. You're dressing up like you're Amidala today. Congrats. Um, there's a really good chance you're going to die several times today. Like, every time they go do something, before they go, you know, meet with the Gungans, before they go, like, to the throne room to deal with that bullshit, Padme is like, um, you could die here, like, for real, though. And Sabe's like, yeah, shit, I'd die for you. And it's like, you know, I read that part as just loyalty. Like, that is her job. She is obviously very dedicated and loyal to that, to Padme, the crown, to Amidala. But, like, what weird vibes have to fucking deal with at 14, man? Well, and I think we see them, like, mourn the possibility of a normal friendship when Sabe first comes on and... You know, they're like giggling and like getting to stay up late talking to each other. Then as the new handmaidens come on, there's like that tension with the new people. And, oh, is this really just a job instead of a friendship? But I think we really see them mourn that, you know, perspective normalcy in their friendship. Even at the concert where they're like, we can dance together and be friends. And 
you know, I think that they like part of them really, really wants to get to have a normal friendship without having to worry about the political dynamic and the power imbalance and all of that. And I think they both know deep down it's just not possible. You know what they should have been able to do? Have a really good and strong friendship after the galactic civil war between the Republic and the Trade Federation and the sep- excuse me, the separatists. Guess who fucked that one up? We're gonna we're gonna talk about this much more next week because I, I really want to talk about what we what we want to see from Queen's Hope, which is the next the the final book in the the trilogy, and but like you really see in Padme and Sabe's relationship everything that you don't see in Padme and Anakin's relationship. Like you see this mutual support, you see the kind of combined but also separate identities and the way they navigate that in a way that isn't codependent mm-hmm. and you see like just the the kind of uh mutual emotional growth that they both go through that like obviously we they're you know say say what you want about the anakin padme romance there are various aspects to it movies clone <laughs> wars etc but we know how it ends and we know what's shown in the movies and it's not good. Yeah. And like Rana was saying about Yana and Sasha earlier, like they, they like gain strength through each other and like they help each other grow and like be their best selves. Um, and it's like that experience of, I mean, friendship basically like shit. That's what the whole thing is. And especially at this point in their lives, like they're very much in a st- stage where they're like learning things about being a person you know this is i feel like 14 is around where you like kind of start to god i lost the words for this be an adult not not be an adult but like start to recognize like what actual things are like can come from like having friends does that make sense? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it's like learning that, you know, obviously they are having this argument because Sabe is trying to kiss this girl and then Harley tries to kiss fake Sabe and then Padme's like, I'm uncomfortable. And like, I'd be fucking mad too. Poor Padme has a bad history of having people try to kiss her and she's like, I don't really like this. <laughs> it's an unfortunate pattern right. in her life. God, that's so true. Ugh. She deserves so much better. She really does. Padme did deserve so much, just just in every way. She deserved better we'll from Anakin. Next, next, we'll talk about she that next better from George next Lucas week. next week. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. Um, any final points on this before we move on to the much less, so- less soft and enjoyable topic of galactic politics and trade routes? E.K. Johnston did that for us. The trade politics? Yeah, for sure. Also yeah. that, but um, <laughs> mostly the gay things. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So let's talk about the taxation of trade routes to outlying planets, as one does. <laughs> it's fun. Isn't, isn't Naboo in, like, the mid-rim? It's, I think it's, it's in the outer rim. I want to say it's in the outer it's, rim. It's Let like me confirm that. It's, way closer in. I'm looking it is it up way now. closer in than we it's think in the it mid is. rim. It's in the mid rim. It is a bountiful planet in the I don't know if it's Kamel or Chamel or Chamel or Kamel sector. I read it as Chamel, but like it's in the fucking mid rim. Yeah, you're Chris. right. <laughs> fucking We're white doing. mansplaining. <laughs> well, I just I just I Not always forget right. that because of um because it's like allegedly close to Tatooine. They're like, oh, it's much easier to get to Tatooine than Coruscant from here. I'm like, if it's in the mid whatever. That's fine. No, geography doesn't space make sense. Space travel. Like, S- space geography is, makes no sense. astronomy, not geography? Like the Wikipedia or like the one map of the galaxy I've seen, it's all like, like kind of like orbits. They're all like very narrow on one side and like huge on the other side. And well, isn't like, that part of... Isn't that part of why there's like that age old question of how long the middle part of Empire is for Empire Strikes Back? Because it's like, well, it could be like 
three months or it could be like a week. Like, yeah, they should have just space. said it was 12 hours like Rise of Skywalker. What could go wrong? It's like three days. <laughs> it's like, how many times do they go to sleep? That's how we know. Yeah. Okay, so you are you are both absolutely right, and I am wrong. Naboo is in the mid-rim. Oh, I didn't know. Google told me. Oh. I fucking knew it. Mer- well, Miranda, <laughs> Miranda is absolutely knew. right. 100%. Um, but jokes aside, we do, like, we get that political context that we don't get aside from that one uh, aspect of, or that, that one sentence in the, in the crawl. And, like, it's... We, we also see a lot more about how, like, um, I'm, like, losing all my trains of thought mid-sentence, but how conditions are impacted and manipulated by corporate interests. And so it's it's interesting. It is a side of the, the galaxy that we haven't seen a ton of. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yes, absolutely, there are corporate interests that are at play here but it's mainly the trade federation and again this is like you know palpatine's whole fucking thing is like he's he you know he knows there's the chosen one out there whatever bullshit like it's i and we do get i will say you know we get those beginnings of it in like the interludes especially in the first half of the book kind of implying and also dramatic irony we know they're about to fucking invade Naboo. But, like, from the viewpoint of fucking Padme and Naboo and the governor, um, like, everybody on Naboo and everybody except Palpatine, like, oh, it's a, you know, there's some trade stuff out there. Um, they want to do this. But then, like, all of a sudden, Naboo becomes this huge focal point because they roll up and they're like, sign this fucking treaty. We demand you sign this fucking treaty. Do it. We promise it's okay. Do it or we'll kill you. And it's like, no. I don't know if they saw that one coming because, like, those bills were not supposed to pass. I got a bad feeling about this. Same. Yeah. No, it is very, I mean, like, you see, it's a great way to show kind of the genius of Palpatine that, like, again, it's alluded to in The Phantom Menace, but because they're, like, you know, trying to keep the the the, the secret, even though, like, everybody knows, every, all the viewers know who he is, they're trying to keep the secret for now, and... It's we do see him like manipulating it much more, and that's why I really liked the the couple of uh, interludes or chapters from his perspective because we do see him being like, "I've already got the next four bills lined up. This is the one that's actually going to pass, and then it's going to fuck up the uh, the the trade federation, and they're going to get pissed." And like we see him moving the chess pieces into place, and like we do see this complex political discussion. That, like, on the one hand, like, everything in politics is, like, somebody is going to... Well, everything capitalistic politics is, like, somebody's going to get hurt by this. Who's it going to be? But also, we see that, like, very clearly, the problem here is not that people are going to be hurt. The problem here is that the Trade Federation is going to be hurt, and they're the ones with the army. Yeah, so I just maybe opened up, because you guys put... Y'all put a note on the outline, IDK, Miranda. <laughs> what was it? Oh, um, yeah. Do your shit. Do your shit. So I did open my, the Senate is the friends we made along the way, Google Doc, and the only movie that is fully fleshed out actually is The Phantom Menace. Um, and so in terms of like what relates to this book, and, you know, like I said, the, the negotiation was very sudden. It was not subtle. They rolled up, jammed the comms, said, sign this or we'll kill you, basically. Like, you have no options. But they, like, the blockade happened quickly. They showed up ready for it. They knew how it was going to go. A quote from the movie, if we blockade this planet, we can make her do what we want. 
and it's I think it's really interesting, like giving the context of, um, I mean, having this book, obviously, but like with the the summit that had my hosts um, in the middle of the book, and like, hey, you know, we need more wheat. Um, these other planets, like, you know, very much trying to encourage like an intrasystem trade foundation what's i don't know what the word i'm looking for is but like like trade agreement kind of yeah like like but more like the vibes of it yeah but like a general environment of hey we can all trade with each other and like they they touch on the conversation like um all of our artists come here like, can we do something about that? Or like, hey, we don't have enough fucking people for seasonal jobs. Can you just like send your college graduates who are unemployed for a year and a half over to us while they figure out what the fuck they want to do with their lives? Um, and, you know, it, it's it's a very timely thing for a blockade to happen because it uh, prevents all of that from happening immediately. And, you know, one of the things I thought was really interesting about one of Palpatine's sections was he was like, oh, fuck. That summit went really well. We got to speed this shit up. Like, oh, no, she's doing a good job. I want to be emperor. Go negotiate, heavy, heavy air quotes. Negotiate by sending a blockade and an army of droids. It does one thing that becomes clear as you watch more of Phantom Menace, like after the fact, and really becomes clear in this book, is how much Palpatine did not expect Padme. Like, and like, there's yeah. an allusion to it in the movie of like when he's like, something like, you know, this is an unexpected move for her. It's too aggressive when she goes back to the planet. But like, how he really does not see her as a strong leader. And like, you know, there's there's plenty of stuff that feeds into that. There's the misogynistic misogynistic aspect of that. There's looking down on her because of her age. There's there's all sorts of of aspects to that, but it does mm -hmm. and like you see in this book kind of combined with the movie how Padme really did delay his plan by 10 years essentially. Yeah, um, you know, and something that was definitely alluded to earlier in this book is for the past however many hundred years or whatever, like Naboo has been a fairly, I don't want to say isolationist, but kind of isolationist planet. And, like, and they say that's because of the last queen they had, right? Because they mentioned a couple times that she neglected the relationships, mm -hmm. the interplanetary relationships and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, she was very much not about, like, trying to get... She <laughs> she was not trying to yeet this wheat. Get out. <laughs> um, <sighs> but, you know, it's also implied that, like, it's been that way for a while. And, like, that's one of the things that... And maybe she was, like, more aggressive about it because clearly there is still, like, the open exchange of ideas and culture and like all the artists from whatever planet come here and this and that um but yeah 14 year old girl palpatine's like i am almighty because he's the fucking like sith lord right nobody knows as much as he does it's like oh there is one child on naboo who is intelligent and capable what the fuck is this Yeah, absolutely. And then the one other aspect of politics that I wanted to highlight here that I appreciated that E.K. Johnston brought up is kind of Padme's naivete as well because she's young and that is exhibited in the movie by her reaction to slavery and being like the Republic outlawed slavery. And But here it is fairly highlighted that she brought all of the different uh, systems in the sector to Naboo and didn't even bother to invite the Gungans. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of those kind of institutional things, like the way she views slavery in the galaxy. 
Like, oh no, it's outlawed. We're, there's no slavery happening here. And it's like, cool, but no, that is aggressively not correct. And, you know, I think part of it's the naivete. Like, part of it's um, the generations of fucking, like, just not dealing with the goddamn Gungans. Because they, they don't. Like, there's um, there's a Jar Jar passage in this. Or there's a passage that, like, focuses on either Jar Jar or the Gungans. But I think mm-hmm. it is Jar Jar. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the, the, you know, the Naboo, they're cultureless or whatever. Like, it's it's clearly been a very long time since, you know, the two um, kind of societies that live on this planet have really, truly interacted and I think that combined with Padme's focus on, you know, intrasystem trade, like, she's not going to remember the fucking Gungans. She's never met a Gungan. But as the queen, I would think she should know, like, these other people in her world. I don't know. I, get, I definitely get what you're saying, but I feel like they're on the same planet. And, like, just because your people don't have interactions, I think she sort of still has the responsibility to be aware of their role, you know, in, in, even if, even if her, if it was one sentence that said like, the Gungans don't involve themselves in our politics, I'd be like, "Mm, okay. But to just like completely forget about them entirely. Oh no. I think the only reason that I think about it, and I know she's a teenager and it's like, she's learning, but is when she's talking to R2 and she's like, should I invite the Gungans? (laughs) That's a great idea. And then I'm like, Art, art, really? Like, okay, sure. Well, I don't know. To me, that that just kind of irritates me. Of like, hey, you forgot about these people, and now that it's going to help you, you remember them? I don't know. Based on history and like current life here on Earth. Oh no, I think comfortable. I, I, I mean, yeah. I think it's supposed to. Like, I I think that's very intentional from E. K. Johnston. That like it is, it is a a sign that Padme is not infallible. But it is to me like the the different you know systems in the sector, and we know they're not all human because I think Harley. Uh, I think she's described as having blue skin. I think she's blue. Yeah. Uh, so, like, Another they're not all necessarily boy. human, but they are humanoid. <laughs> she's a blue boy. Um, TM for real this time. <laughs> uh, but, like, we see, to me, like, they're the they're the proverbial, like, Midwestern diner voters. And the Gungans are, you know, the non, like, non-white voters, like, in America. That we're, like, Democrats are always, like, we need to reach out to everybody whether they're white-skinned on the coasts or white-skinned in the Midwest or white-skinned in the South, we really need to make sure that we are prioritizing outreach. And to me, like that, I think is... I do think it's intentional to show that Padme made that mistake of like having this massive blind spot of like half of her own planet. We don't know the proportions of the Naboo versus the Gungans, but like you know, for all we know, half of the entire planet that she just has no idea what's going on with to the extent that she forgot to invite them to a massive system-wide summit. The thing though, is I think, I mean, I agree with all of y'all's points. Like there's no reason for her to fucking like not do that other than, you know, being naive and infallible or non-fallible. Whatever. Um, Just fallible. Tony, can you not? Tony oh. is interrupting her <laughs> word stream. Tony is infallible He's for what it's worth. Unnecessary prefixes. Okay, Just sliding okay. the little fridge magnet. Um... Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> Come on, buddy. <sighs> you know, showing all of those things, but again, like the Naboo society, and she is the queen of the Naboo. Miranda's getting attacked right now. He we was, just saw just a wild cat mauling. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, she's the queen of the Naboo. And the Naboo, as far as we can tell, are an isolationist society. It extends to uh, their system. It extends to the galaxy um, for the most part, and it clearly also extends to their own goddamn I mean, planet. But they still participate like, that's, in. That's, it's not an they excuse. They still participate in the Senate. It's though, not an excuse. Right? And they still participate in yeah. like basic intergalactic yeah. politics. And I don't know. I see what you're saying, but I also think like if she has the foresight to 
think about i understand that she called that summit because she wanted to influence trade and she wanted to think about wheat and all of that and so the gunkins didn't enter like enter into that in her mind but at the same time it's like if, no underwater. i know i'm not saying that they're growing magical water wheat um, i just think like if be, you're willing to are. reach out to these other people you know on these other planets shouldn't you at least like have one thought about yeah. oh you absolutely should yeah no rana i'm, I'm totally with you i think like I think I think that it is like a a very like as a reader an obvious blind spot of that she should have done that and like because honestly for all we know like the Gungans eat something like presumably they don't just eat fish like seaweed they, presumably they have some sort of yeah like they, they have, have some sort of they things have that they sorry can... I was very excited because I really like seaweed I'm sorry it was very I mean, seaweed's delicious context. don't be sorry. I mean, I'm sure they have like their farming because like they yeah. they don't just live loose yeah. in the water. Like they've got their, I'm assuming, you know, habitable air bubbles. They just like, hey, we love it under here. Yeah, um, like you know, like either and, like air bubbles or like aquaponics or something. Like I'm sure they're like they're growing something. But yeah, like to me, I think that, and I I, I think it was you, Miranda, who made the point that Jar Jar was like very surprised at how advanced the the Naboo were and like Padme in the movie is very surprised that the Gungans have an army that might be able to fight the droids like they they're clearly not talking to each other to the extent that they like both kind of view each other as like these primitive species and it's mm-hmm. just it's yeah, it's I-, I like I like that that was addressed in this book and as like like yeah like Padme is the main character of this book we all love Padme Padme is easily the smartest character in the entire prequel trilogy um but she fucked this up yeah and i i'm not saying that like oh it was a good idea to not invite the gungans like i'm a little bit pulling out my inner white man um and a lot bit like there's a reason like i don't agree with it but it is very believable that she forgot to do that and didn't invite yeah. the gungans so uh, like, yeah i do think it's yes that's the like, whole especially shit especially they're trying to plan these seven thousand different aspects i do think it's believable i just agree that i think it was an oversight but you know i couldn't have been a queen at oh, 14 yeah. so like the naboo and the gungan should absolutely be fucking trading with you. you live on the same planet and this is like an off-world conversation you already live so close and even to each other. irrespective of trade, like they should be involved in one another's international or intersocietal like plans and and endeavors. I mean, you'd think, but like clearly, you know, the Naboo have that with the other planets in the system. One thing it was it was mentioned that like it's been you know something like a hundred or two hundred years since the war with the Gungans, and like that's the sort of shit like as a nerd who loves politics and international relations i want to like i don't need a whole book on that because that feels like overkill but like i want just like an in-universe like reference book (laughs) oh yeah Yeah. for sure like Like, i want like an in-universe textbook of yeah no no no. yeah of just like you know and this is the war with the naboo and this is like we know from the clone wars that the the moncala and the Quarren don't get along like all these different like you know we know everybody's in the republic and especially in the high republic now you know there's the we are all the republic stuff that's going on um but like i, w- I want to know about when all these people hated each other exactly yeah no i agree but i, I want to put my i mean sorry, i'm sure it's... sorry no you can go ahead that no like it wasn't it was a, i was gonna make a shit post of my life and say i want to put my international relations <laughs> degree to work in star wars by reading more books so glad i interrupted you to say that why do why do you think i have an entire fucking like google doc that is this is me analyzing the politics of the it galaxy needs to be an extra episode one day oh it's going to that's the whole idea it's going to be but like i only have like good detailed so it's probably gonna have to be like a you need a panel miranda like a solo special thing. <laughs> miranda wants her own podcast um, on. <laughs> but no it's like you know how many people on this fucking podcast have like politics or ir degrees like all of us not all. I mean, I'm not Miranda, you podcast, do, right? But... I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, I was the, in the, the, three, the three current talking hosts do. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of it. 
Um, I hate you so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that that's a very inside baseball college joke. Also, thank you for to Kristen for teaching me what inside baseball is. Even without um, an IR degree. Exactly. <laughs> oh, she's got like smarter no, I degrees know. than I do. Shit, but I can't see her face reaction, so maybe I'm making it worse. Um, I thought but, it was I funny, mean, Rana. <laughs> This, this is funny. this has gone on a tangent, but like my joke was gonna be, I'm sure it's territorial shit, and then I was gonna make a shitty joke about the Mason Dixon line. That would be a good joke, actually. I like how you're that defending also yourself. Fairly niche, you though. That it was a shitty joke. Oh, it is a very niche joke, but again, it's like my whole thesis of this Google Doc <laughs> that we touched on, and the when I was yelling about how the Republic is a confederacy I because see, I it see is. What you're Mason Dixon line was established under the Articles of Confederation because there's a territorial. Well, no, there was a territorial. That's what it was. It was a territorial dispute. And, like, I think it was under the Articles of Confederation. Don't correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) The timeline doesn't quite match. I don't. You're such a garbage Do you know what the Mason Dixon line is? Yes, I know what the Mason Dixon Uh, line is. I'm not positive you're right about that, Miranda. But well, we'll we'll move on. We'll move on. They they absolutely established that boundary during the fucking Articles of Confederation. It was a, they great. had the they had Mason and Dixon go out and do the little border because Maryland and Pennsylvania have had these fucking borders for centuries. At this point, that's all I'm saying. It, this I Google says that 1763 right. I am was Mason Dixon uh, surveying, and that 1777 was the Articles of Confederation. So oh, you were fucking Christ. Were right, but you were close. I wouldn't have known that if you didn't was more say right than that. Not. If you didn't insist on it, I, I was more right than not, up. though. You were more right than not. I will give you that. At least, at least, as how <laughs> I was thinking of it, I will give you that. Yeah, no, it was, I can't name the fucking year. I can't name the years of the Articles of Confederation because I never read that whole book. But I would absolutely read a textbook about the conflict between the Naboo and the Gungan. Yeah, to bring it back. To Star Wars. <laughs> um, quick pause. So we're at 57 minutes, and this next topic is decently i feel like it's at least like a 15 minute topic do we want to push it to next week yes yeah i'm fine with that as miranda very interestingly and dramatically (laughs) eats her maraschino cherries yeah that was very like speaking of like the 18th century that was very like 18th century like dignitary just like finishing off your drink pulling a you know, pulling the cherry out dramatically. It's national. Yeah. It's fucking lesbian day of visibility, visibility day, whatever. You're being homophobic. <laughs> Let me eat my goddamn watermelon sugar. That's a Harry Styles yeah, joke. No, we know. Uh, no, no, I was, I was clear on that. <laughs> Just because we don't. I don't laugh, know doesn't many mean we don't current know. pop culture references. <laughs> <laughs> it really wasn't that funny, but I guess Chris knows. <laughs> Listen, I poured myself a lot of scotch before we started. Um, I had right. a whole whiskey sour before we started. It's fine. There you go. Well, I also, I haven't eaten dinner yet because I wasn't hungry. So, Oh, my God. Go that's, eat. That's happening. Sorry, that oh bothers nice. me when people don't I, eat. I, I often eat dinner late. I'm, I'm, I'm not dying. But, um, however, that is a perfect excuse to wrap it up here <laughs> and push our last topic to next week. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Book Wars pod that we definitely only recorded all of once, did not record any of it twice. It was completely spontaneous, all of our reactions. Uh, uh, inst- as I, as we always say, continue to stay inside since we are still in a pandemic, but also get vaccinated if you're able to uh, so that we can get out of the pandemic more quickly. Next episode, we're going to be wrapping up our discussion on Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston. And our next book after that is going to be, from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back. Um, We're very excited about that. Kristen, I want to say that you're going to be joining us as a host for that one. Turn up the keek. I love it. The keek strikes back. Uh, In the meantime, 
Find us on Twitter and Instagram at BookWorstPod. Email us, BookWorstPod at uh, gmail.com. Why did I just forget Gmail? Jesus. Um, and on the Tasha Station Radio Patreon. Uh, if you have the means, uh, please, first of all, donate to the Loveland Foundation. And then after that, if you want to support us, you can donate to the Tasha Station Radio Patreon or give us coffee at ko-fi.com slash bookwarspod. It really helps us cover our hosting and production costs. And we will keep the Argos, Cerberus, Jasper, Orca, and Tony content coming as you donate. Our theme song is Whiz Bang by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Butera Design. And our audio and production are done, as always, by Kristen McDonald. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the pod. For Kristen, Rana, Miranda, and Kate, I am Chris, and we'll talk to you next week. Another happy landing. Sorry, I thought I was going to sneeze, but it didn't happen. Um, anyways, <laughs> please cut that out, Kristen. <laughs> I didn't want to do it on the podcast, so I muted and I made a face.